So, Rachel. Hmm. Spock acts mysteriously when he kidnaps a former captain of the Enterprise and sets the ship's controls to a forbidden planet, mm-hmm. resulting in Spock being put on trial for a court-martial. Oh, dear. What do you think is going to happen in this episode? I wonder why that planet's forbidden. The menagerie. Um, so maybe people being kept in a cage or some kind of zoo-like yeah. setting, which is forbidden. Or it could be a VIP planet, just kind of a first-class planet that they don't have uh, clearance to go to because it's only for the top people. Maybe only for the funders or the controllers of Starfleet. Oh, uh, well, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. No. Uh, but the former captain that they're referring to is Captain Christopher Pike. Whoa. Oh, maybe Spock wants in on the horse picnic fantasy. <laughs> or he's trying to get him to give him his mother's recipe for chicken tuna. <laughs> Uh. Rachel watches Star Trek. Welcome to Starbase 11, Captain. The Commodore's waiting to see you, but he's curious why you suddenly changed course and came here. We received a subspace message asking us to divert here immediately. Space sent no message, Captain. Seems like Kurt got a ding-dong ditch to Starbase 11 in this episode. <laughs> the Menagerie, Part 1. I am revisiting the original series of Star Trek while my wife, who is not geeking in any way, is watching it for the first time. We have watched and now are talking on... Rachel watches Star Trek. We have exciting news. The podcast is now going to be coming out twice a month with... Bonus commentary episode for our Patreon subscribers. Two. Two episodes a month. (laughs) Who would have thought? Thank you so much, patrons. And thanks to those who send in comments and do reviews as well. They mean a lot to us. So please keep those coming. If you haven't already and want to, please check out our Patreon campaign. P-A-T-R-E-O-N for that website. If you don't want to give us any money, what would really help us out is just telling all your friends and family to listen to us. Yes, please. This episode is a two-parter and borrows a lot from the pilot episode. Oh, boy, does it. <laughs> Thinking about this now, it was probably a mistake to have you watch The Cage before this. I'm not seeing it in the same way that it would have been seen at the time. No. But I still enjoyed how bizarre it was to see a previous episode almost in its entirety <laughs> within another episode. <laughs> I don't feel cheated. That <laughs> <laughs> was good. <laughs> Okay, good, yeah. good. Oh, that wasn't a that wasn't no, a sarcastic. No, no, I don't. No, no. Okay, I okay. love those Talosians. That was a great episode. I mean, that was rampacked as it was the cage. Never yeah, mind putting it within another. Yeah, I got my money's worth. So Kirk, Spock, and McCoy beam down to a very pretty alien planet, which hosts Starbase Eleven. Yeah, wow, we're straight into an alien planet. Futuristic buildings, bright light. I wasn't prepared. I'm used to being beamed in. <laughs> it's like I was waking up there. <laughs> There's a sculpture garden and people wearing Starfleet uniforms, but with a circular sparkly brooch instead. Yeah, the badges uh, in the original series were different for ships and star bases. You know, the costume department made these decisions on their own. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they just kind of went for it. And l- later on, things change. Ugh, that brings back memories of being a costume designer. <laughs> Fortunately, you're no longer a costume designer. Yay! So there at the Starbase, they meet Commodore Jose Mendez, and they ask him about the message. The Commodore says, we sent no message. Then Kirk asks to speak to Commodore Richie 
McClary or Williams, but it turns out that they were too busy taking it easy because, of course, it was Sunday morning. (laughs) (laughs) Kirk says Spock got an urgent message from his former commander, now fleet captain Christopher Pike. Mendes says that's impossible and takes them to Pike. And yikes, he's a torso and head in a machine. Yeah. Reminds me of K9 for some reason. What? K9 from Doctor Who? Yeah. How do you know who K9 is? I think I saw an exhibition as a kid or something. Oh, all right. Pike's face is scarred and burned. His hair's gone white. He can't talk or move. He just sits in a chair that he can only move with his mind. Mm. His only form of communication is a light that he can blink once for yes and twice for no. Oh, that is weak. Okay, this this is ridiculous. (laughs) You're telling me the best that they can do with Starfleet technology is to give him one light that flashes. <laughs> yeah. They couldn't give him a, a green light as well? Like a green light for yes, a red light for no? Yeah. Or an alphabet of of letters that could flash? Uh, yeah. Words, Any... a computer. <laughs> yeah, it's it's preposterous. So, you know, actually, this reminds me of the movie Johnny Got His Gun, which was made popular by the uh, Metallica video of One, their song One, a guy from World War One who gets hit with artillery and he becomes a quadruple amputee, and he loses his hearing, his sight, his whole face. Ooh. It's a very dark movie. It's kind of anti-war. Oh, man. Uh, Being deaf and blind that, and unable to move, that's yeah. very isolating, to say the least. Oh, yeah. But in this movie, they were able to figure out how to communicate with him using Morse code. Oh, okay. Which would actually work with the system that he's got now. Come on, Starfleet. This was World um, War One technology uh, here. <sighs> Eventually, this guy, he does try to communicate with Morse code, and Mm. he wishes for the U.S. Army to put him in a glass coffin in a freak show as a demonstration of the horrors of war. Gosh. You know, they tell him, we can't do that. He wants to be euthanized, and he repeatedly Morse codes, kill me, kill me. And ultimately, he realizes that the Army can grant neither wish. And they just leave him in a state of living death. His sympathetic nurse attempts to euthanize him by clamping on his breathing tube, but her supervisor catches her, stops her before he dies. Joe realizes that he will never be released from his state of entrapment and is left alone, weakly chanting, SOS, help me, in Morse code. it hurts my heart. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. I I think that's what's going on here with Pike, that he's in this place where he's trapped, you know, almost probably going crazy. And that might be the motivation for Spock Hmm. and his behavior in this episode. Because if you think like how you're feeling about that guy, Mm -hmm. how Spock would feel about a captain that he's worked with and cares deeply about, Mm -hmm. you would pretty much do, I don't know, anything Mm -hmm. to kind of get them out of that, I think. Mm. When Spock gets Pike alone, he says to him, you know why I've come. I know it's treachery and it's mutiny, but I must do this. But Pike beeps, no, 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 over and over. So the Commodore shows all the records and then there is... No record of any communication, even though Spock said that he got a communication. Kirk's like, well, wait a minute. So you're trying to say that Spock's lying to me? That doesn't make any sense because if he wanted to come visit Pike, he could have just asked for leave. I would have gave it to him. Mm. He knows that. Down in the tech lab, Spock sneaks around and sneaks in (laughs) and does a sneak and pinch and lowers the guy gently to the ground. Then he starts tooling around at a massive computer. He's so gentle, too. He's so tender. But what the heck is he up to? (laughs) 
he's seemingly falsifying records and he is also making fake vocal recordings like he's adjusting the pitch in the timbre of the voices <laughs> to make it sound like people that actually work there as if <laughs> <laughs> they can only give Pico one light and they can do that <laughs> And of course, the computer fills the room because they didn't anticipate them getting smaller, I guess. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Mendes's aide, Miss Piper, enters his office with a report that, again, denies summoning the starship. She must have got her side wig from the same place as Nancy. (laughs) But she is Helen's friend. Remember her? (laughs) Helen of Christmas Party Encounter. Oh, right. She's Helen's friend. So how much has Helen told her about what Kirk's been up to? Right. She does mention it and Kirk looks really nervous. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Piper and the Commodore insist that they've kept their eye on Pike and he can't do anything. He could not have sent a message. He Mm. can just flick a light on and off. Mm -hmm. On the Enterprise, Uhura gets a message from the Starbase about new secret orders. But Mm. it ain't Starfleet. Uh It's Spock doing a psych out. (laughs) Yeah. Some guy catches Spock doing naughty stuff and then uh, they start fighting while Spock's messing around with the computer. (laughs) So he's just kind of like pushing them off. So now he uses his fake Kirk voice to tell them to follow Spock's orders. How on earth was this done? (laughs) So did he splice it together? It's like that Brass Eye episode where they had somebody say, an elephant can no more stick its trunk up its own ass than we can lick our balls. (laughs) (laughs) If you gave me a little bit of time, I could clip together. Yeah. You're saying something pretty ridiculous right now. Oh, no. I'm not going to do that because that would take hours and hours of me going through audio footage. I think what you're forgetting is how can this be done? Spock is awesome. The end. So Spock goes to the Enterprise and he tells the helmsman that the ship is taking care of the flying. And the reason for this is because they've got special secret orders. Uh, McCoy tries to talk to Pike back down on the planet and Pike just keeps blinking no, no, no. Keeps blinking no. No to what? We've tried questioning him. He's almost agitated himself into a coma. How long will he live? As long as any of us. Blast medicine, anyway. We've learned to tie into every human organ in the body except one. The brain. The brain is what life is all about. Now, that man can think any thought that we can. Love, hope, dream as much as we can. But he can't reach out and no one can reach in. Keeps. Blinking, no. No to what? They could question him for days, weeks, before they stumble on the right thing. So McCoy is stumped, but he knows something fishy's going on. And he's thinking to himself, Spock shouldn't be able to lie because he's a Vulcan. Is that an assumption that he's making? Because Mm. just because you're logical doesn't mean you can't lie. You should be able to deceive people, especially if it has to do with saving somebody's life. Mm. If it's like wartime, you want to trick your enemies. Mm. Lying as a strategy. Yeah. Well, Spock did say he wanted to learn poker in the last episode. (laughs) So (laughs) maybe that's what's going on. (laughs) Lying can be quite overwhelming for some people with autism, apparently. Because there are just endless possibilities of what a lie could be, whereas there's one reality. Oh, wow. Is that relevant? I don't know. Oh, it could be. (laughs) McCoy gets a message to come to the Enterprise for a medical emergency. Mendez, the Commodore, shows Kirk a top secret file. says, no vessel under any condition, emergency or otherwise, is to visit Talos 4. The only capital offense left on the books for reasons known only to the top fleet command. Hmm. I'm freaked out that they still have capital punishment Mm. in the 23rd century. Yeah, and only for visiting that planet out of the whole known universe. (laughs) 
I can't think of anything that happened in the cage that would mean yeah. that. I don't know. I guess it's just to increase the dramatic intensity of the episode. Yeah. yeah. You know that game Balderdash? Yes. They've got a load of weird laws that are still on the books. Oh, right, yeah. Like in Oneida, Tennessee, it's a crime to sing the song, It Ain't Gonna Rain No Mo." It's a crime? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and in Chicago, it's against the law to fish while sitting on the neck of a giraffe. Now, come on. That's according to the game. How did that happen? Who was doing that? (laughs) And they go, you know what? This is a problem. We're going to have to make this a law. I always think that when I see signs at restaurants, please do not lick the windows. (laughs) Why did they have to put up the sign? (laughs) The report goes on to say that the Enterprise with Pike and Spock were the only ones to ever visit Talos 4. Piper sees Pike is gone. They try to contact the Enterprise, but they're not accepting transmissions. It takes off for Talos 4 under computer control. Once off into space, Spock makes an announcement that Kirk is on medical leave and now he is in command of the ship. McCoy's like, say what? (laughs) Medical leave? No, this is the first Uh, I heard of this. So Spock takes McCoy into a side room and he shows him Pike. McCoy's like, say what? (laughs) Spock then plays an audio tape of Kirk saying, do whatever Spock says. Hmm. So McCoy, again, is like going, this is so fishy, but Spock is a commanding officer, so he's just okay, he goes along with it. Spock goes onto the bridge, and Hanson tells him that there's a shuttlecraft following them. Cut to an angry Kirk with Mendes in the shuttlecraft Picasso. They are past the point of no return. Eek! And they soon then run out of fuel and start coasting. Soon their oxygen will run out too, and Kirk seems to welcome this wishing for death. Because Spock will face the death penalty. Back on the Enterprise, the computer is running Spock's preloaded instructions. But he decides to reverse engine power and bring the ship to a full stop. Now, Spock calls up an armed security team to the bridge and requests that Kirk and Mendez be beamed in. And he puts Lieutenant Hansen in command. He looked really surprised. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, huh? So Spock asks McCoy to arrest him for mutiny. uh, Which McCoy is like, what? 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 He knows something was going on, and he's having a hard time even digesting that this is it, that Spock has taken over the Enterprise. I'm with him. The guards take Spock to his room. Kirk and Mendez beam aboard. The engines restart, but the computer won't give up control to Kirk until they get to Talos 4. She says, unable to comply to his commands. I wondered if she was incorrect, sister. (laughs) Spock then requests a court-martial, but that requires three command-grade officers. But hey, what do you know? Pike is still on the active duty list, so it will work. Mendez is like, well, we didn't have the heart to take him off active duty. And it's like, what? Mm. (laughs) He can't can't move. He can't Mm. talk. They say, okay, sure, yeah, we'll, we'll do a court-martial here. So they decide they've got time to dress up fancy and do the court-martial right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what else are they going to (laughs) do? The court-martial convenes with Kirk, Mendez, Spock and Pike in fancy outfits with gold collars and a bell to tinkle. (laughs) Spock confirms he knows that he will face the death penalty if the ship enters the Talos star system. Kirk describes this as the most painful moment of his career. How did you feel at that point of the show? Well, I... Obviously, you know it's going to turn out. Hmm. I, I wasn't particularly worried about things, but I was trying to remember what the actual plan of Spock was. Because mm-hmm. it's been so long since I've seen this particular episode. I know how it ends, but I don't remember how we get to there. And obviously, Spock has it very well planned out. So this episode seems to be what they call a competence porn. Hmm? 
which is um, a show or a movie where you have people that are highly skilled doing amazing things because they've really thought out and planned. You uh-huh. know, like that show Leverage, where there are all these people do a con, basically, oh. to a, like a really complicated con, and then you just sort of watch it unfold. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing. You're just watching these people be really good at their jobs. Yeah, yeah. That's sort of what this episode is like mm-hmm. uh, with Spock. Obviously, having really thought this out, and he's pulling the wool over everybody's eyes mm-hmm. and manipulating the circumstances and you think oh they finally got Spock but no nope, nope, they don't got him oh they got oh no he had that planned out too oh yeah well he's good at chess <laughs> 3D chess I know <laughs> uh, so yeah at this point I was just curious to see how it was all going to play out mm. so Mendez asks Spock why he's taking Pike to Talos 4 Spock goes do you want this to be on the record is this question part of the try and And Mendez is like, well, yeah, sure. And he goes, well, since it's part of the trial, I can basically do and say whatever I want now at this point. And you have to accept this evidence. So Spock somehow maneuvered him into some Mm. legal loophole to get him to be able to admit this crazy evidence. So the view screen comes up and it's basically the pilot episode. They show the outside of the ship and it zooms in. Like me, the others wonder how the heck Spock's been able to provide a camera shot from outside the ship, then swooping into the ship from outer space, then a bunch of edited together camera angles from the bridge. It's Pike number one and the gang from the first pilot. Now, Spock will not explain how the video was produced. How could he? (laughs) (laughs) But Kirk convinces Mendez to, you know, let's check this out and see what's happening. Can you imagine this from Kirk's point of view? He must feel so torn between betrayal and loyalty towards Spock. Mm. It's like you kidnapping me without explanation and forcing me to watch old episodes of Star Ah. Trek or something. (laughs) (laughs) Boo. In the video, Spock from 13 years ago looks older than he does now due to bushy eyebrows and combed forward hair. He looks a bit like Noel Gallagher. (laughs) Do Vulcans age like humans? (laughs) No, no. Actually, they live to be uh, like 200, 300 years old. So Spock actually shows up in Next Generation, which is 75 years after the regulars. Oh, right. I wondered how we got into that. I watched this unfold for a few minutes before realizing they're just showing whole scenes from the first pilot. (laughs) It took me a while. (laughs) What? (laughs) So weird. I liked it, but wondered what are they conveying? How is this proving Spock's point? Whatever his point is. Part of it felt really strange to me because it seemed different in a way. Like maybe there were different shots. Yes, it did. But I don't know if that was just my memory being poor because I'm a middle-aged man. I don't know if it's just that it was a year. Is it just that it's a year since we saw it and we only remember the parts we talked about in our show? Maybe. I don't know. Um, I missed last time that the Martini Doctor claims that doctors and bartenders have the same two types of clients, the living and the dying. What does that mean? Is he talking about alcoholism, do you think? As far as I know, that's pretty much everybody's Every profession. (laughs) That covers pretty much all people, living and dying. Hmm. Dead people. We're all both. Everybody's dying. Everybody's living. I don't get it. Maybe when people are feeling down Hmm. and and feeling like they want to give up, that's when they talk to their bartender or their doctor. Maybe that's Uh, what he's trying to say. Maybe. Uh, Mendes cuts in and says, hey, Spock, this is a court of space law, not a theater. (laughs) Space Space law. (laughs) Spock asks Pike if this is the way that everything went down. Pike beeps. Yes. Spock offers to release control of the ship if, after watching the whole video, they still want to turn back. Mendez is having none of it, but Kirk insists, and Pike is the tiebreaker, and he beeps. Yes, he wants to see where this is going as well. Mm. So the video continues. But how does Spock have footage of the big heads watching video of Pike? (laughs) 
<laughs> I know they're watching a video of people watching a video of a video. Yeah. I don't know. But we find out that these images are coming from Talos 4. Oh, yeah. We find out. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Ohura, uh, back in a red, pops in to say Talos 4 is transmitting to the Enterprise, violating Starfleet general orders. Spock confirms that the video presentation is coming from Talos 4. Ooh. And this is bad. Spock's contact with Talos 4 has invited the death penalty already. Uh. Spock is not only doomed himself, but potentially ending Captain Kirk's career as well. Oh. Even though he knew nothing about it, he's still responsible for what happens on his ship. Oof. Because he is technically in command of the Enterprise right yeah. now. Mendez orders Spock to release the ship to manual control, but Spock declines. Mm. Yikes, what is he planning? How did Spock get to this point? Why is Pike supporting Spock now when he was all no, no, no before? Well, maybe he knew that it was risking Spock's career, mm. whatever it is that he's attempting to do. Again, I, I just want to go back to that uh, Johnny got his gun. And if you think about that, if you're Spock and your good good buddy Pike mm. is dealing with that, I don't know, that you'd probably do a lot to, to get him out of that situation. But is this the first thing he tries? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. So uh, Mendez declares the court is in recess. As everyone leaves, Kirk confronts Spock, asking him if he's lost his mind. Oh, I'm with you, Kirk. Yes. Chris, how are you feeling about your hero? I still trust him. <laughs> of course. <laughs> he's Spock. I'm sure he's doing the right thing. Uh, Spock pleads with Kirk that he must see the rest of the transmission for the sake of Kirk's career and Pike's life. Kirk orders the security guards to lock Spock up. And the episode ends with Kirk alone trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Oof. I think Gene was pretty proud of this one. His writing credit is splashed all over the final shot of Kirk. God, it seems like a really big font, too. Yes, I don't remember <laughs> it being so gaudy before. So, for our thoughts on the story within a story, please listen to episode one of Rachel Watches Star Trek. Yep, there you go. So let's do our ratings. Concepts. Wow, that is some complexity. A bizarre mixture of a cliffhanger there at the end, which I've no idea how they're going to resolve. But yeah, I know I will already have seen the majority of part two of the menagerie. <laughs> <laughs> they describe Pike as active in mind, trapped in a vegetating body. He's on life support with a battery driven heart. And he can only say yes or no when someone asks him a question. Mm -hmm. He can move the wheelchair with his mind, but he's got no other movement. What autonomy does he have? Does he even have the choice of whether to be kept alive or not? I don't know. They don't really talk about that. Maybe euthanasia is not, that's a subject that's maybe too taboo for the 1960s television, so they don't bring it up. I don't know. It wouldn't even necessarily be euthanasia because he's being kept alive. He's on life support, isn't he? Right. But he, they, his mind is fully active. He is alive. He just can't really control his body. It's His heart's not beating. So by no. definition, he, he wouldn't be alive. But is that what the definition is? I, for? I, isn't it? When your heart stops, you're dead. But if you've got brain activity, if you're thinking and you're able to move around, I think I think you're still alive, even though... I mean, he is still alive, but only because they've got him on a right, battery. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Spock doesn't listen to Pike. He thinks he knows better what Pike needs and effectively kidnaps him. Yeah, and this maybe this is Pike trying to protect Spock hmm. because he knows what, he, what he's going to do and it's going to get him in trouble and he doesn't want that to happen to Spock. Yeah. But Spock is like, I don't want you being this way so whatever the talosians are going to be doing it's obviously going to help pike somehow they're both being altruistic yeah i think yeah it made me think only in a slightly related way to my granny um she's so frail at the moment one of those whip smart ladies isn't she she's yeah. kept her faculties all through the end but her body's incredibly 
the frailest I could imagine it being. But even though she can not really talk anymore or move, she just lays in bed. When my mum gives her a, a crossword to look at, she just studies it for a bit. And the other day she studied it for a while and then just went, Tiara. And then fell asleep, <laughs> and that was one of the answers. <laughs> <laughs> so um, she's still in there. That's funny. Yeah. So uh, what will save them from the death penalty? I don't. I don't know. Can you make any sense of the episode title, the, the Menagerie? Oh yeah. Well, remember when they take Pike in when they kidnap him, mm. the Talosians. There's a mm. whole hallway of cages of animals. So he's in the menagerie. We just haven't got to that part yet in the story. <laughs> True. <laughs> I thought he was just there to breed. But again, that's a zoo type thing anyway. Yeah, sure. It? So uh, for concepts, I give it a three because almost the whole plot could have been set in the 20th century, except obviously the Talosian imagery that's being sent over. I mean, nothing really sci-fi-y was going on. Hmm. Uh, and there was no concepts that were making me think about my life. So I, I give it a three. I'm not really thinking of concepts in terms of how sci-fi they are. It was interesting to me in terms of the musings on euthanasia and autonomy and the twists and turns of Spock's heist. So I'd give it a six. Entertainment. Um, Spock's sneaking and preemptive pinching and then later his gentle repeated pushing away of the guy before giving up and pinching him too. Quite good. <laughs> the only similar things I've seen to this episode are those lazy kind of remember when episodes of say Friends. Oh yeah, flashback where they episodes. compile all the Thanksgiving shenanigans that they've yeah. had in previous series. Uh-huh. This was a staple of television. Every sitcom in the 1980s okay. and 90s did this. Yeah. Because it would save them money. Whereas obviously this was only showing one clip, an entire episode. <laughs> it's clever, really. They put a mysterious, interesting spin on the first pilot, which made it worth seeing again. Yeah. And allowed people watching it at the time to enjoy that marvelously bizarre episode without yeah. it being wasted. Yeah. Um, for those who hadn't seen the pilot, did this episode make enough sense? within the complexity of the Spock mutiny concept. Mm. I found this very entertaining. I thought it was mostly just a repeat of the cage, mm. but there is a ton of stuff going on. Plus, I don't really remember what happens, and it's pretty interesting, and there's a lot of twists and turns. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I give this like a seven or an eight. This is mm. a, actually a really good episode. Yeah, there's a lot to get our heads around. I'll go for an eight, too. Uh, for sexiness, uh, this there really isn't any sexy things going on. There's that little kind of flirty thing that the lady who knows Helen from before oh, yeah. does. And she's kind of attractive and, mm -hmm. you know, in Kirk, a side wiggy way. Kirk is attractive as well. And I don't really even know why she was in it. Yeah. Wasn't really worth getting dressed up, was it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that pretty much concludes our coverage of the Menagerie Part 1. And in two weeks' time, we're going to be releasing the Menagerie Part 2. And I want to thank our Patreon supporters for backing us. It's because of you that we're going to be doing two episodes a month. And, of course, if we keep getting the support that we're getting, we'll end up doing three or four episodes a month, which I don't understand how we'll be able to do. <laughs> but we'll find a way. <laughs> thank you very much, everybody. And with that, I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. And you've been listening to... Rachel Watches Star Trek. <laughs>
my husband, Chris Lackey, is the hottest guy in the world. <laughs> How did you get that? <laughs> so Rachel, Spock calls up two special secret forbidden homesmen friends and, uh, you know, they just kind of went for it. His whole face Ooh. twice a month. Uh, for sexiness, I give this like a seven or an eight. Well, I think you'll all agree that was five hours of my time well spent. Have a great week, everybody.